You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to your latest episode of Nothing But Bets. I am your host, Evan Sidery, joined by a very special guest on today's show. He is the editor-in-chief of BasketballNews.com, lead writer, Alex Kennedy. You can go to follow him on Twitter if you're already at Alex Kennedy MBA. Alex, I'm glad to have you on today because we're doing kind of a pseudo-breaking news podcast here for Nothing But Bets because the, the line movement right now is very similar to draft night, Alex. We covered on the show last week during it, but Paulo Bancaro, his odds swung dramatically overnight to the Orlando Magic, and then eventually that's indeed what happened on draft night. And now with DeAndre Ayton's odds, Alex, and we're hearing all this stuff about Kevin Durant and Kyrie potentially in the Brooklyn Nets, historic odds movement today happened, Alex. Plus 4,000 was where the Nets were this morning. They were at plus 6,000 earlier in the weekend. Now they're at plus 300, and that's happened over the last hour from plus 4,000 to plus 300. The Nets were 29th out of 30 of teams for the best odds to land Aiton. Now they are the second best odds, maybe even approaching it, passing the Phoenix Suns, Alex. So this kind of is a precedent, kind of a recent example now showing Vegas sometimes knows, or more, more often than not, they always know, and maybe something's happened behind the scenes here. What's your thoughts on this whole situation kind of percolating up right now? Yeah, this is crazy. There had to be something that happened to cause this kind of movement. You know, to your point, for them to go from second worst odds to land Aiton to now second best, maybe if they continue to move, which it seems like every few minutes there's more movement. If they, you know, become the front runner to land Aiton, then certainly something is happening behind the scenes, especially coming off the Palo thing where no one had Palo to Orlando, no mock drafts, no executives around the NBA, uh, you know, people that are super connected. Even Woj, the morning of the draft, was tweeting that, you know, one, two, three was pretty much locked in that it was Jabari number one, Chet two. Palo three. So to see this kind of, uh, I mean, Vegas clearly is always right. We've seen that. I mean, there have been some instances where, you know, the odds aren't correct. Like I remember there was a story about the 2021 Oscars where uh, some long shot for best director, you know, his odds spiked last second and ended up being inaccurate. So there are certain times where there's exceptions, you know, there's certain exceptions when they don't end up being right. But typically when Vegas says, you know, is when the odds kind of are, are going crazy and something like this happens out of nowhere, usually someone knows something behind the scenes. So very interesting, especially just with everything going on in Brooklyn right now, if this was just, you know, happening randomly, then it would kind of be interesting. But when it's kind of happening right after all these reports about Kyrie Irving being granted permission to look for a sign and trade and Kevin Durant being unhappy uh, I mean, you can kind of connect the dots and figure out what's happening here. Here's the live movement. It just updated again over on DraftKings. The Suns are plus 135, the favorite here. Then it's the Nets at plus 300. Like I mentioned, they started the morning at plus 4,000. 
Then it's the Pistons really starting to fall behind now, plus 450. Then we have the Spurs at plus 700 climb up a little bit. And then from there, the Atlanta Hawks round the top five at plus 1400. So as the Pistons kind of follow the race here from a betting perspective, Alex, it kind of does feel like the most logical destination for DeAndre Ayton could be the Brooklyn Nets if this situation shakes out the way it could. And I wanted to ask you about this whole situation with Brooklyn Alex, because it seems to be breaking almost every hour to bring in a new Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant update. What's your whole thoughts on this situation? Because we were talking about it off the air in our private Slack chat with the rest of our basketball news staff, but this could be like a historic moment where a big three teams up with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and you expect championships and a dynasty run the Eastern Conference. They play less than 20 total games together as a trio. Now all three could be at the door within a year's time. I mean, I've never seen anything like this, Alex. And if it does indeed fall this direction where it seems like it's heading that direction right now, based off the betting movement and a lot of reports from ESPN, Adrian Wojnarowski, Bleacher Report, Jake Fisher and others, I can't believe what's happening right now in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's wild. Real quick, one last thing on Aiden before we move on. I think the fact that you also had reports coming out that was kind of throwing water on Aiden to Detroit, Aiden to Atlanta, it also lends credence to Brooklyn being uh, maybe the best option for, for Phoenix here, uh, you know, compared to maybe sign and trade elsewhere or um, some of these other teams that were being linked to him. So it does make sense, too, that, you know, as Brooklyn's odds are rising, we've also seen recent reports that, you know, could have Detroit, Atlanta, some of these other suitors, their odds uh, dipping a bit. But yeah, I mean, on the Brooklyn thing, it just goes to show you why every NBA offseason is so much fun. Like even in this offseason, when everyone was like, oh, there's not really a lot of star players, the best players are. Zach Levine, Brad Beal, James Harden, they're probably just going to stay with their own teams. And, you know, we're not going to see much trade movement. Like even in an offseason like this, where there's limited teams with cap space and a weak free agent class, you could still have one of the craziest offseasons in NBA history because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, this league is so unpredictable uh, and no one knows what's around the corner. I mean, we see star movement happen all the time. And this is the latest example of, you know, two stars that, uh, you know, are, are unhappy and could be on the move. And for Kevin Durant, especially, I'm very curious if he does become available, we could legitimately see this become, you know, one of the craziest sweepstakes of all time where the packages that are going to be thrown around are going to be ridiculous. Um, I think you put it as uh, one of the biggest feeding frenzies in NBA history. And that's a great description because, you know, every single team is going to make a call about Kevin Durant. You have to, I mean, he just came off an incredible year. He's an MVP caliber player. Um, and just the thought of him being available is so crazy. Um, I think the situation is pretty wild. I, I think uh, I'm surprised that Sean Marks and the Nets front office are willing to play ball like this, considering they've given up all their first round picks through 2027. You know, when you kind of go in on a, on a, on a trio or now a duo like Kyrie and, and KD, you know, you would think that they would just be committed and say, look, we don't really have many other options here as far as rebuilding or taking things in a different direction. So we're going to, pay you the max, give you the long-term deal that you want. Instead, Sean Marks is basically saying, no, you know, we, we don't trust that you're going to be available. You've had injury issues, so they don't want to give him the long-term deal. They want, you know, to give him max deal with incentives and kind of protect themselves a little bit, um, which is pretty ballsy <laughs> considering the fact that they don't have their first round picks and they all, they are kind of all in on this, on, on this duo. So it's pretty shocking. I, initially I was thinking this was just like Kyrie and, the Nets kind of, you know, basically had a stalemate and some stuff was being leaked for leverage, but eventually Kyrie would come back and KD wouldn't be on the move. Now, the more that comes out, it really seems like the Nets aren't going to budge. And look, I understand their point of view too. Over the last seven seasons, Kyrie's averaged fewer than 51 games played per season. 
Um, this past season obviously played 29 games, but and it's not like this last season was uh, you know, was an outlier though. I mean, we've seen he's missed a ton of games since he signed that $136 million contract with the Nets in 2019, he's only played 47% of regular season games. So I, I understand Sean Marks being hesitant. I guess I'm just surprised that, you know, he was willing to kind of take this chance and tell Kyrie, hey, we're not going to pay you, knowing that it could lead to this implosion where Kyrie's on the move, KD potentially is on the move. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting offseason. I'm very curious to see what happens with this whole situation. Uh, it seems like we're getting more and more updates every few hours here. And I guess I wouldn't be surprised at this point, given everything that's out there, if Kyrie and KD are on different teams by the start of next season. Kind of a general pointer, Alex, before you dive into just Kyrie and Kevin Durant, where they could land, they do indeed leave the Nets. Just a general point about player empowerment nowadays, because this seems kind of like you're alluding to there, Alex, kind of the Nets and Sean Marks taking a stand against a player and players who want to play together still, but kind of tying the frost behind their back, so their hand behind their back, so to say, in this situation. And Nets are kind of saying, no, you're not going to do that to us. We're going to do it at our pace. And if you don't like it, uh, oh, well. I mean, what's your opinion of the Nets kind of, playing back against player empowerment here. Cause I mean, we've known for the last five, six years, how big that is and kind of is a driving force behind all these moves nowadays, but the nets are kind of setting a precedent here, kind of fighting back against that. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of executives that want to do that, but they're in a position maybe where they feel like they can't because, you know, they would risk things blowing up and for Sean Marks to take the stand. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of executives around the NBA that are like, yeah, you tell them. <laughs> uh, but I will say, though, the Nets kind of created this monster. If you look back at how everything played out in Brooklyn, um, you know, they traded away all of their young assets uh, to land James Harden. Uh, you know, they gave up all those picks. They were willing to kind of get rid of Kenny Atkinson whenever, you know, those sides were kind of butting heads. And they, they kind of gave these guys all the power to the point that Kyrie was saying, we don't have a head coach, was basically saying that, you know, he, KD, Steve Nash would take turns being head coach. So, you know, maybe I think it's interesting that he's taking this stand now. And I think it's mainly because of the availability. They feel like, hey, we, we can't pay you if we don't know if, you know, you're going to be out there, whether it's because of injuries or unauthorized leave of absences or the vaccine. Like there's a number of things that have caused him to miss games. So I think it's more because of his availability. But, you know, you could also argue that for for Sean Marks and the Nets, it's kind of too little too late because, you know, they've let these guys kind of do whatever they want. They've been included in personnel conversations. They thought they were the head coach. I mean, mo mostly Kyrie. I think that comment, you know, KD didn't seem like he was on board with that as much. It was mostly Kyrie making that comment about not having a head coach. But yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons to having star players that you kind of turn your, your roster over to from a personnel standpoint and decision-making standpoint. Um, now, I'm not saying that they were, you know, making all the decisions entirely. Like, obviously they just had input and Sean Marks in the front office were still, you know, making moves and everything. But yeah, you could also argue that this is a little bit too late or too little too late uh, for the Nets because, you know, they're they're pretty far down the road here, uh, you know, with these two guys. So I, I'm very curious to see what happens. Uh, you know, will the Nets budge and just say, look, it's not worth losing both of you guys, especially KD. You don't want to lose him. Uh, or will they say, hey, let's blow it up. Let's trade uh, KD and get back, you know, let's say it is the Suns. Get back Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre in some picks. You know, they could kind of restore their, their you know, their uh, their draft capital that they've missed out on, you know, or that they gave away in that in that Harden deal. 
by trading KD. Maybe they find a side and trade for Kyrie. And, you know, they think, okay, now we're okay. We have Ben Simmons. We have some young assets. We got some picks back. Maybe they feel like that's the better route, but I'm just surprised that they're willing to take that chance. Steph Curry's record-breaking three-pointer, Jason Tatum's buzzer-beating alley-oop, Ja Morant's poster dunk, NBA Top Shot is where the greatest moments from NBA history are turned into officially licensed digital collectibles. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards by making it easier to buy, sell, and collect by removing the hassle of grading, shoe boxes, and shipping fees. You can buy or sell moments in a few clicks and access them at any time on your phone or computer. Your collection is always at your fingertips. Start collecting Top Shot moments in any way you want. Collect rookie moments from future stars like Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham. Collect throwback moments from former NBA stars like Shaquille O'Neal and Allen Iverson. Or collect moments from your favorite team to gain access to exclusive perks. Grab your starter pack today and, and Top Shot will give you $20 back to start your collection. And pick up all the latest of your favorite moments in the marketplace. Go to about.nbatopshot.com slash bballnews and get in the game today. Again, that is about.nbatopshot.com slash bballnews. I'm totally there with you and diving a little more into Kyrie and then we'll close on KD here in a second, Alex. But we saw over the weekend from ESPN to Adrian Wojnarowski that Kyrie does have a preferred list, wish list of six teams away from the Brooklyn Nets if he does indeed find a new home. And that is the Los Angeles Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers, the New York Knicks, Miami Heat, Dallas Mavericks, and Philadelphia 76ers. And then Woj had an update this morning, ironically enough, Alex, that said only the Lakers are interested in Kyrie Irving via sign and trade. It kind of feels like the momentum is building if Kyrie does indeed leave Brooklyn is to go to the Los Angeles Lakers, Alex. And that would be absolutely insane, whether it be sign and trade or even leaves 30 plus million dollars on the table and signs for the taxpayer mid-level exception, which would be a historic moment for a star to do that and join LeBron on the Los Angeles Lakers. What's your overall opinion of what's going on right now between Kyrie and this link to the Lakers? Because it does seem we're kind of trending more and more towards a direction that Kyrie eventually ends up out of Brooklyn and maybe the Lakers should be considered the favorite. It's just so crazy to me. Like the fact that we're even talking about him potentially signing for the taxpayer mid-level exception is just wild. Like when Montrez Harrell signed uh, for the mid-level, everyone was freaking out. And it was like, how did they get a sixth man of the year, like such a good player uh, on the mid-level? And now here we are talking about Kyrie Irving. I mean, that would be like the most Lakers thing ever to be able to get Kyrie for the mid-level exception. Uh, you know, and but he has shown that he's willing to leave money on the table. I know that's something that Woj has pointed out, you know, on, on ESPN, basically saying, like, look, this is a guy last year that was willing to leave money on the table uh, in order to, you know, not get the vaccine and, and was willing to kind of take everything that came with that. So if he feels like, hey, I just want to go win a championship and, and find a better situation, um, you know, basically take one year to, to prove himself play more games, show again what he can do on the floor, and then sign a big contract the following offseason. Um, you know, maybe if he's willing to do that, then the the Lakers all of, a, all of a sudden become scary. I think everyone kind of looked at this Lakers roster and was wondering, okay, well, how could they, you know, turn this thing around and and turn this team into a contender given the moves that they've made? You know, what's, what's Russell Westbrook's future? How, how can they fix things here? Uh, if they're able to get Kyrie on the mid-level, then suddenly they they – are a much scarier team and there's like what other team could ever do that it's just so wild the the the, the star players that they attract in LA uh because so many guys want to be there they want to play you know in that spotlight and the Lakers are a historic organization so I can tell you right now there would be 29 really pissed off front offices <laughs> if that does happen uh just because there's already this perception that the Lakers you know get whoever they want in free agency they get whoever they want in the buyout market Basically, it's such an advantage to be in L.A. So if they're able to do this and sign a player of Kyrie's stature for the mid-level, 
uh, there's going to be a lot of frustrated teams out there. But yeah, it, it was interesting kind of seeing that report from Woj that there aren't other teams showing interest in the sign and trade. Um, you know, maybe that will change in the next few days. Um, I'd imagine there's going to be a few teams that reach out. Uh, but I think, you know, what's worth noting is there's other teams that have the same concerns that Sean Marks has about his availability, about him causing distractions, about him kind of being that, uh, you know, presence in the locker room that kind of causes some issues. So it's not like this is a, a this has happened with one team. You know, there were some issues in Boston. There were reports in Cleveland that he went, you know, like a month or two without talking to teammates. Like this is this isn't something that's a new situation for Kyrie. So I do think that other teams may be concerned as well. And that could be affecting, you know, his uh, the interest that, you know, the Nets are getting to uh, in Irving. So, yeah, it's going to be a wild couple of weeks here. I, I think between this situation, like even if we were just talking about Kyrie and KD, that would be some of the craziest things we've seen happen in the NBA in a long time. But then also to have free agency happening in the backdrop with, you know, star players moving teams and possible trades happening. I mean, we had very few trades on draft night, which means we're probably going to have a pretty active free agency period as far as trades go. So the next few weeks could be very, very crazy. Let's close here, Alex, on Kevin Durant. And he really is the domino. And Kyrie's held it over the nets over the last week, plus according to Woj and multiple other insiders, that if he does indeed leave, Kevin Durant will fall him out the door. And the odds move today really is suggesting that could be a realistic possibility. And Woj said this morning on ESPN, quote, Kevin Durant is not really going to have a say in where he plays. He could be traded anywhere. And he has four years left on his contract. He has signed an extension this past, past season, Alex. What's your overall take on how the Durant situation could play out if he does indeed request a trade? Because it feels like KD should have the clout to kind of pick where he wants to go. But we're kind of entering a precedent where he's on a four-year contract. He has signed. He's over 30 years old. And the Nets can be in a situation without any draft picks in the future where they're kind of forced to go against KD's preference to help their own long-term future. Yeah, I think anytime you're an organization, you have to do what's best for you and find the trade that's going to bring you back the most assets. You know, you don't want to settle for a worse trade to keep the player happy. Now, we have seen situations where a team wants to do right by a player and their agent. So they try to, you know, basically get a wish list from that player. And sometimes they don't send the player to the number one team in that wish list, but they say, okay, what's a, what's a, you know, team that does have draft assets and, and a decent trade package and they're on the wish list, basically try to compromise and find something where it benefits both sides. You know, I think uh, in Kevin Durant's situation, because he's 33 years old, not only I think the fact that he's that age, he's had the injury history, you know, he the, the people or the teams that he's going to attract are going to be win now teams. Uh, teams that want to contend and feel like, hey, we're one Kevin Durant away from being able to contend for a championship. So I feel like the teams that would be showing interest and in offering the most to Brooklyn are probably teams that are in a situation that KD would want to go to anyway, um, as far as like where they're at winning wise. Um, so I'd imagine it's going to be competitive teams that are kind of in the hunt. Um, our Nikias Duncan at basketballnews.com just did a great article looking at what a Kevin Durant trade could look like. And he mentioned a few teams in that article, uh, the Phoenix Suns, the Miami Heat, the Boston Celtics, New Orleans Pelicans, Memphis Grizzlies, Toronto Raptors. There was like a number of teams he mentioned that, you know, not only are they in a situation where they could win now and, and compete if they have Kevin Durant, but they also have assets that they could put together and, and form a pretty nice package for Durant that could interest the Nets. So yeah, I'm very curious to see which teams enter the sweepstakes. Now it's possible there's some other teams that we're not even thinking of that could try to get in the hunt. 
um, you know, that feel like they could take a big leap if they add him, um, you know, that maybe aren't a contender right now, but feel like they could be with one or two more pieces after adding Durant, like a team like the Wizards, maybe, or the Blazers, like they don't immediately come to mind as, oh, a competitive team right away. But both organizations have said that they're looking to make some big moves and they're trying to compete. So, you know, I, I think uh, Katie's preference probably won't factor in that much, but I also don't think they're just going to send him to some team at the bottom of the standings that has no shot of winning because I, I don't think those teams are, are really going to be, you know, making a crazy offer for, for Durant uh, just given where they're at and kind of their, their trajectory. So yeah, I mean, the teams that we've mentioned so far are the teams to probably watch. Uh, there might be a couple others that sneak into that conversation, but it's going to take a ton. That's what I'm really curious to see. You know, uh, I think Bobby Marks said that we could see some of the craziest trade packages uh, and trade offers in NBA history because you're talking about a guy that's in his prime that can turn you into a championship contender overnight. So you're talking about multiple picks, multiple young players. Um, like, for example, whenever uh, Nikias was talking about the Suns, he was saying they have, you know, DeAndre in that could be on the move. You have Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson. Um, they have draft assets. There's a number of uh, teams that have packages like that where you're talking about two or three really good players, multiple draft picks. And that seems like a ton. But again, you're talking about MVP caliber player that turns you into a contender or, you know, a championship favorite overnight. So I'm, I'm very curious, which teams are you interested in kind of seeing, you know, I guess when you look at some of these possibilities, Evan, where would you like to see them? Well, as you know, Alex, I might be a little biased because I am based out here, but it would definitely be a lot of fun to cover Kevin Durant up close in person here in Phoenix. I, I think that offer that you mentioned there, like DeAndre Eaton, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, multiple future first round picks. That's probably what it's going to take. I've seen some people on Twitter today, Alex mentioning, oh, Katie's coming off a torn Achilles a couple years ago. He's about to be in his mid thirties. This guy's different. He's not your average NBA player. We know that he's proven over the last 15 plus years and he's really played at the same level he was before his Achilles injury, which is just incredible, Alex. What I think with KD, especially with four years on his contract, he's going to be the most coveted trade chip since, since Anthony Davis. But the big difference here was AD was on an expiring contract, kind of forced his way to the Lakers, and the Lakers still gave up a hefty package for AD in his prime. With yeah. KD on his four years on his contract remaining, it's going to, from the Suns' perspective or anyone else, it's going to take like an Aiton, Bridges, Johnson, multiple picks. You're going to have to gut your whole young core, whether you're Phoenix Memphis, Philadelphia with Tyrese Maxey, for example, whoever wants to get KD, you're gutting your whole court to get them. Yeah. And and that's where, yeah, that extension that he signed with the Nets is, is huge. Um, because to your point, AD was able to kind of control where he went a little bit by saying, okay, well, if the Celtics trade for me, I'm not going to resign there. So that kind of scared certain teams away and was able, you know, he's able to force his way to the Lakers. KD can't really do that. You know, you, you don't want to trade for a guy if he's going to be unhappy for multiple years, but I think that's what Woj is saying when he says that he doesn't have a ton of control over where he lands, because, you know, if you are a team like Washington or Portland or one of these teams that are up and coming, you know, they could basically say, hey, you're going to be here for a few years and we'll try to win you over. Um, now, I still think the contenders are probably the ones that to watch here, but it is interesting with that extension. And how wild is it that a year ago, Sean Marks was saying that, you know, extensions for KD, Kyrie and Harden were signed, sealed and delivered. They were going to happen before training camp started. Like we had quotes at basketball news that, you know, he was so confident that all three of these guys were going to sign extensions. Now here we are a year later, KD's the only one with an extension. Harden's gone. Kyrie might be next. And then who knows, KD seems like he'd be traded right after that. So pretty wild to see how much has changed in one year. 
but yeah, I mean, to your point about gutting a young core, some of the other op, uh, options or trade packages that Nikias mentioned in that article, you know, he was saying, uh, does New Orleans give up Zion Williamson and some other assets? They have a number of young pieces there in draft picks. You know, does Zion, is he the kind of the centerpiece of the deal? And then you put some other pieces around it. If they want to keep Zion, do you give up Brandon Ingram? I mean, I can't imagine they would after what we just saw in the postseason. I think they would love the idea of an Ingram KD uh, duo there, but you know, they have some interesting pieces to make a, a trade. You know, Miami, he pointed out that they probably wouldn't give up Bam out of bio, but did they give up Tyler Hero and some other uh, players and picks? Uh, the Boston Celtics have Jalen Brown if they're willing to float him out there. I've seen some Celtics fans saying they wouldn't want to give up Brown just because of his age. But, um, you know, that's interesting. Toronto has Scotty Barnes, uh, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi. Uh, they have a number, I mean, and a lot of picks too. So, they have all their first round picks moving forward as well. So they can make an intriguing uh, offer potentially uh, depending on who they're willing to give up. I know Zach Lowe talked about Scotty Barnes and how they'd probably hang up the phone just because of his potential and how young he is. But, you know, do they go all in? Does Masai basically uh, give up a few of those pieces for KD? With Memphis, he was saying uh, outside of John Morant, who obviously they wouldn't give up. You have Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, uh, and a number of really attractive you know, recent picks, uh, recent rookies or, or incoming draft prospects uh, and some picks. There's a lot of different teams that can put together a really intriguing package. Um, you know, the New York Knicks, he also mentioned, I don't think they have the, I mean, we did see they just draft, you know, acquired quite a bit of draft picks on draft night. They have RJ Barrett. They have, uh, you know, some interesting assets that they could potentially put together. Uh, Cam Reddish, Emmanuel quickly, but I'm just very curious to see what some of these packages look like because, yeah, the fact that he's under contract for multiple years in his prime, there's not, he's really come kind of come away from the injury concerns. Like, uh, that's pretty much in the past now. So, it, this could be a wild couple of weeks where we see some crazy trade offers. You know, it kind of reminds me of like when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, like some of that, those trade offers that we saw where it was like tons of first round picks and pick swaps. Um, the Anthony Davis one's a great example. I'm just excited because, again, we thought this was going to be a boring offseason. Now here we are talking about Kevin Durant possibly being traded. Uh, that's why the NBA is so crazy. Yeah, absolutely crazy. I can't wait to talk about it. We're going to be writing about it, podcasting about it, videos as well from basketballnews.com's YouTube page. Alex, as always, enjoy having you on the show. I think at least your first time on, that's the best, Alex. So thanks for joining me for the first time. But go ahead and follow him on Turkey on already at Alex Kennedy NBA. He is the head honcho for us at basketballnews.com. Alex, appreciate you coming on today to talk about really what could be the biggest bombshell of the offseason. Yeah, thanks for having me anytime.